Amen. All right, so if you have your Bibles, let's turn to Matthew chapter 7. We've been in a sermon series talking for the past three weeks about a life that's under construction. We're building a life that God literally wants to come and dwell inside of, right? Whether you know it or not, you are erecting a house of a life that the Spirit of God wants to come and dwell inside of. And it's important how we live. Week one, we talked about how the foundation of this life should be built on Jesus Christ. He is our firm foundation. He is the chief cornerstone, right? And then week number two, we talked about how if we're going to build a life on a foundation of Christ, we should build a life with prayer, with praise, with word, and prayer, praise, word, and people. You have to have a good community around you. Last week, we talked about piping and power. What happens when you build a house and you build up walls? You have to set those walls because why? They are going to host piping and power. We talked about that being the Holy Spirit and the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives, right? And today, we're going to talk about some more stuff. So Matthew chapter 7. Here we go. Verse 24. If you don't have it, we're going to read it from the screen. So, therefore, whoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rains descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and they beat upon the house. How many people knows that life's going to happen? Come on, somebody. Life's going to happen. Whether we want it to or we don't want it to, storms are going to come. There's a scripture in the Bible that I absolutely love that says it rains on the just and unjust. Do you know what that means? Sometimes, baby, it's just going to rain. <laughs> you know, whether you whether you've done something wrong or you've done something good, it's just gonna rain. It just happens, right? It rains on the rich like it rains on the poor. It rains on the people who have homes and it rains on the homeless. Come on, somebody. Sometimes it just rains. And so here's the thing: it said the floods came and the winds blew and it beat up on the house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. Verse 26. And everyone that heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them not, this is Jesus said, Thou shalt be likened unto a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and they beat upon the house, and it fell. And great was its fall. Let's pray. Lord, right now we just ask you to do what you only you can do. God, we ask right now that you move in our hearts. God, thank you for what you've done in our youth group. Thank you for what you're doing in this church. Thank you for letting me be a small part of it, Lord. Right now, we ask that you just remove Joe from the equation because I'll mess it up. We ask right now, God, that you just change us. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. I saw a post on Facebook yesterday that said this. It said, we're new to Granger County, and we love it. It's beautiful, and it's so peaceful. And then on, on that post underneath it, I saw a comment that said it would be a lot more peaceful if people would quit moving here. And I immediately was just distraught that that kind of statement was said. First off, rude, right? <laughs> like, rude, how dare you? You know, come at me like that. But second of all, would it really be the perfect scenario if we didn't have neighbors? You know what I'm saying? Some of us could go a life without neighbors, and, and that's cool. I would love to have house, my house. I would love to have land, and I would love to have nobody inside. But the truth is, is you can't do life without people. Period. You just point blank can't do it. 
And here's another thing too. As awesome as some as that would sound to some of us, it's never going to happen. Why? Because the rock that we live on is one size and it's always going to be that size. And as long as people keep multiplying and growing and there's always going to be less room, people die off, then more room. People, you know what I'm saying? It's the circle of life. We're always going to have neighbors. And that's kind of what I want to talk about. Today we're going to talk about welcome to the neighborhood. If we're building a house that God wants to dwell inside of, welcome to the neighborhood. Because the thing is, is you're going to have neighbors. If you build a natural house, you're going to have neighbors. If you build a spiritual house, you're going to have neighbors. It's inevitable. You're going to have neighbors. And that's point number one that I want to just break open to you this morning. We have neighbors. Matthew 22, 35 and 39 says this. Then one of them, which was a lawyer, asked him a question. Testing him, right? And said, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And he said unto them, this is Jesus, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Here's the big one. That is the greatest and most foremost, uh, the greatest and foremost commandment. But here it is. The second is you shall love your neighbor as what? Yourself. Jesus wanted us to realize that although that we are believers and we are faith people, we must live amongst others. We must live amongst others. We all, if you have a job, you live amongst others. If you go to school, you live amongst others. If you go to Walmart, you live amongst others. And I don't know about you, but I have to have the Holy Spirit to go to Walmart. Because people get on my nerves in Walmart. Come on, somebody. But we live amongst people. Then Jesus makes this very profound statement. You will love your neighbor as who? Yourself. Now, I want to make something very clear, okay? This is, and, and what's funny is, is we all have this conception of, I love, you know, I love me. I, I don't know anybody that loves Joe more than Joe. Can I be honest? I love Joe, all right? But the truth is, is I cannot love other people the way they're meant to be loved if I don't understand how to love myself. Now, how do we love ourselves? How do we learn to love who we are? Now, here's one of the biggest things that the enemy, this ain't in my notes, but I'll just, I feel like going this way. One of the biggest things that the enemy wants us to do is this. Carry guilt, carry shame, and lack of self-worth. And a lot of times, those three, they're tied together. It's like an unholy trinity of, of, of carrying weight that we don't need to carry in our lives. And the reason why is because the Bible tells us that in Christ there is no more shame, no more condemnation. We're not, we're not going to be condemned for what we've done. We're free from what we've done. Quit carrying around the condemnation, the guilt, and the shame. Quit carrying it. Our self-worth is found in who? Christ. You have worth. Come on, somebody. You know, and, and I want to say this. This is, and, and if, we, if we're honest with ourselves, every single one of us in some kind of form or com, of capacity has a self-worth problem. I'm not, even if, it, if it's an age thing, I ain't as good as a warrant was. Come on, somebody. I'm not as young, I'm not able to do what I used to. Let me tell you something. I'm 31 years old and I found out real quick yesterday I'm not able to do what I used to be able to do. 1.30 hit this morning, I was like, 
I'm crispy like a piece of bacon and I'm wore out. It's 1.30 in the morning and I'm still just sitting here typing. <laughs> but the truth is, is that we have, we have things in our lives that makes us feel inadequate. It might be a comparison game. The world right now is in the worst shape it has ever been for comparisons. Do you know why? Because everybody in their life, look at their Instagrams, look at their Facebooks, they don't post the bad things in their lives. They post all the good stuff. The stuff that makes them look like they're doing way better than what they are. Right? And so the truth is, is we begin to make comparison. God, I'm not as good as so-and-so because they have this, or I'm not as good as so-and-so because they can do that, or I'm not as good. And we begin to carry around this doubt and this insecurity and this, and this guilt and this shame. But we have to first learn how to love ourselves before we can learn how to love our neighbors. Now, how do we learn how to love ourselves? We judge ourselves based off of God. That's how we learn to love ourselves. The truth is, is if we only knew how God viewed us and we viewed ourselves like God viewed us, we would be in much better shape. But I want you to know that if we're going to build a life that God can dwell inside of, if we look to the foundation of that house, we see Jesus. And if we look to the walls of the house, we see prayer, we see praise, we see word, we see community, we still see Jesus. And if we look to the source of our strength, which is the Holy Spirit, and He gives us the power to purge ourselves of ungodliness, we still see who? Jesus. So when we learn to love ourselves the way that we're supposed to, we learn to love the Jesus that's inside of us. Here's what I want you to get. Every single one of us in this room could nitpick our lives apart and realize, man, I'm, not, I'm no good. And the truth is, you're not. But what makes us good? The God that's inside of us. And if we learn how to lean into the God that's inside of us, and love the God that's inside of us, then we can learn how to love the neighbors that are around us. Come on, somebody. But without realizing that we're building a life that's godly, we won't be able to love the neighbors like we're supposed to. Let me ask you this question. Have you ever had neighbors that you could not stand? You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? We've all had neighbors, at least one or two, that we could not stand. You didn't like this about them. You didn't like that about them. You didn't like the way their yard looked nasty. You didn't like the way that they always would come over on your side of the property. They won't keep the dog from using the bathroom in your yard. You know what I'm saying? Like There's something that causes us to dislike that neighbor. And we will nitpick them apart. <laughs> won't we? Man, I can't stand this about them. See, it, it, what's funny is, is it's it's easy for us to get this idea that everything's supposed to be like Mayberry. Where everybody gets along and everybody loves everybody and everybody's quick to forgive and everybody, you know, I wish I was Andy Griffith. That'd be a great life, wouldn't it? Just be living in Mayberry all the time. But the truth is, is that don't exist. But it can. Who does it depend on? Me. The goodness of your relationships depends on who? You. The forgiving elements, do you want to be forgiven? Be quick to forgive. 
If you, the Bible literally says, if you want friends, show yourself friendly. I don't know any person that looks like this that I want to be friends with. So here is what I want you to get. We have neighbors. Good ones, bad ones. Some we don't know, some we do know. Some that have a past, some that don't have a past. And they're always going to be present in our life. Hear me, every single one of them, they're always going to be present in our lives. The good, the bad, the ugly. But we can't have our house in order and it not affect our neighbors. I want you to hear what I'm saying. This whole series has been talking about a life that's been under construction. Changing our lives so God can dwell inside of it. And if we're constantly changing our lives to, to host the power of God, there is no way that it will not affect your neighbors. Now I'm not just talking about your physical neighbors that live in houses next to you, but the people that you coincide with every single day. The people that, that know the real you, the ones that, that get to hear you and, and have community with you and talk to you. There is no way that God radically shifting and changing your life every single day won't affect theirs. Let me ask you this. I, there's always that one person in the neighborhood that sets the tone of the neighborhood. You know what I'm talking about? If they mow their yard, everybody mows their yards. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's always the one. If they wash their cars, time to wash the cars. You know what I'm saying? There's always that one person. And it's a, so even if it's even if, if it's an intentional thing or it's a subliminal thing, we will often follow trends. You hear me? Whether it's intentional or whether it's subliminal, we will often follow the trends of what's going on with the others around us. And listen when I say this statement this morning. I want you to hear this. People notice when your house is in order. People notice when you have your life in order. And people notice when you don't. People notice when you don't. And believe it or not, they do feel prompted to follow your lead. Man, if it works for them, that'll work for me. I have a neighbor that his name is Tony and when we first moved in, Tony has been super awesome for us. He's just been super helpful and, and so great. And I think he kind of uses some power of persuasion with me. And the reason why I say that is, is because he's always super nice and always willing to help me. And he was out pressure washing his, his driveway one day. You know? Pressure washing his driveway. He said, hey! He calls me Joe Mama, but I don't know why, but he's like, hey, Joe Mama! What's up, man? You know, my name... It happens. So I've been called everything, trust me. Uh, but he's like, hey, Joe Mama, how you doing? And I was like, I'm doing good, Tony. How are you? He's like, man, I'm doing good. Pressure washing the driveway. Hey, if you ever want to use a pressure washer, don't you hesitate to ask me. I'll let you use it. And I'm like, thank you, Tony, man. That's, that's kind of you. And I think what Tony's wanting me to do is pressure wash my driveway. That way his will look better, too. Man, we pressure washed the house. Look at this. It looks great, don't it? And I think I think he wants me to pressure wash my house because, I mean, there's some dirty spots on my house. <laughs> and he's not just going to come out and be like, dude, your house looks nasty. You need to pressure wash it. You know what I'm saying? I mean, what kind of neighbor would that be? But he's always trying to persuade me ever so gently to do, to do something. Man, I've got some extra railroad ties over here that you could put here. That way that dirt won't wash into your driveway. And we did do that because we needed that. But, uh, you know, it is funny because... 
<laughs> if it works for them, it'll work for me. And if it works for me, it'll work for them. And sometimes we don't realize that, but we will lead people to do things. Whether they intentionally say, I'm going to do that, or they subliminally think, again, mow the yard. So-and-so mow the yard, it's time to mow the yard because mine looks worse now. Right? And so, when they see that the foundation of your life is right, whenever we're building this life that's godly, and they see that the foundation is right, and they see that the walls are right, and they see that the power is right, it will provoke them to follow suit. Do you know how you get people to come to God? I've seen people hand out tracts. I've seen people witness. I've seen people testify. I've seen people street preach and people come to the Lord. But the biggest way people are going to come to the Lord is they're watching you. And how you respond, they're watching you. When your life looks like it's all hell, they're watching you. That's how they're going to know. Because the thing is, is we can't stand up here and sing about God being good and live like He's not. We can't stand up here and say, my God's a chain breaker and live in bondage. We can't stand up here and say that my God is faithful and act like He's not. People are going to watch you. Wow, Pastor Joe, you're just putting pressure on us. No, I'm not. I'm not putting any pressure on you. All I'm saying, here, here's what's amazing about the house that we're trying to build. Is it Again, if we put the foundation right and we put the walls right, and we let the power of the, God, of the power of the Holy Spirit do what it wants to do, we don't have to do the work. We literally just get to let God be God inside of our lives, and He's the one. The Bible says that if we just lift Him up, He will draw how many? All men unto Him. All men. Even the hateful ones. Even the ones we deem unworthy. Even the ones we don't like to get along with. Come on, somebody. Because when we let God inhabit and we build on God, He will do the work. That's the problem. We try to do it ourselves. And when we try to do it ourselves, we what? Fail. We fail. We have a neighbor that has the most immaculate yard in the world. I'm talking, it is super nice. And... And so the shrubs are nice. The trees are nice. It's like the perfect height all the way across. Like there's no weeds near the sidewalk. It is, if I was going to put it, I would put it up against any house in America. It is that nice of a house. Now our yard, not so much. Our yard, it, it's patchy. It's lacking. The shrubs need cleaning and, and trimming. And it, it just, it looks bad. Okay? Let me just say it that way. It looks bad. But I found out not long ago why our neighbor's yard looks the way it does. This dude is so serious, he checks the pH levels in the dirt. I ain't got time for that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> He's retired. He... You know, it's super cool. I mean, it looks like you're, it's, it's like so much, the, the grass is so nice, it looks spongy. Have you ever seen that before? I'm like, how, how, how do you do that? But here's something that I want you to hear. Every time I pass his yard, every time, 
it makes me want to make my yard better. It wants me to, to go out, plant seed, water the grass, put money, put time, put effort into it, because when I see his yard looking nice, it makes me look where my yard is lacking. Do you want to change people's lives? Live godly, and they'll see where their life is lacking. Now that's not a sign of me saying I'm better than someone else. It's just a sign of me saying that God can do things in your life like He's done in my life. We have neighbors. Whether we realize it or not, we do affect what goes on around us. We affect what goes on around us. Matter of fact, how many people know what a thermometer is? A thermometer in a room will tell you the temperature of the room. How many people know what a thermostat is? A thermostat in the room determines the temperature of the room. Are you a thermostat or are you a thermometer? Because when the thing is, when you walk into a room, do you have the ability to alter the room or do you just subjectify yourself to what's going on in it? I'm going to say it again. When you walk into a room, do you have the God-given power and authority to walk in and change the dynamic of a room or do you subjectify what's going on in the room? What I mean by that is, is do you walk in the room and dirty jokes continue to happen? Do you walk in the room and gossip continues to happen? Do you walk in the room and everything that is ungodly continue to happen? Now, I want to say this. There are some people that just don't care. There are some people that are going to do what they want to do, how they want to do it. But I've learned that because of my life, I don't have to come in preaching at people. But in my workplace, what's funny is, is one of my bosses was like, oh, F word. And he said it just like that. He didn't say the actual word, but he was like, oh, F word. And I looked at him, he goes, just trying to be polite. But he knows that I don't talk that way. And because he knows I don't talk that way, do you know what he does? Changes the way he talks. I allow the thermostat of my life to determine the temperature of the room. Come on, somebody. And the temperature, the, the, the thermometers will follow suit to what the thermostat says. That's good stuff. And I want you to hear that this morning. That we have the power in our lives just by living godly and working and striving for godliness to alter what's going on around us. How many people's ever heard of the Joneses? Y'all ever heard that statement? Keep it up with the Joneses. You know what I'm saying? Well, here's the thing. At one time or another, most of us have probably heard that. And uh, that phrase originates from a comic strip called Keeping Up with the Joneses. And the strip ran from like 1940, I think, to like the 60s. And um, it, it depicts a social uh, family called the McGinnis family who's struggling to keep up with the neighbors. And they were given the, the Joneses as a title. And what's funny is, is if we're not careful, we'll spend our lives spinning our wheels trying to be just like the neighbor that has it all. You know, the nice boats. And there's things in my life. There's people in my life that I love absolutely so much. And I look at them and I'm like, how do you have what you have? We make the same amount of money. <laughs> how do you have what you have? And if I'm not careful, I will let arrogance creep into my life. And I will let jealousy creep into my life because I want what they have. And in reality, it's not meant for me to have what they have. 
I know, right? <laughs> Pastor Joe, are you telling me there are certain things that God won't give me? Yes, I am. Are you telling me there are certain things that, that my life should look a certain way opposed to somebody else's? Yes, I am. I thought God loved us all. He does. I thought He blesses us all. He does. But however, He knows there's things in my life that I can't have because it would change who I am. And so instead of trying to thrive to keep up with the Joneses, we should try to thrive to allow God to build the best us. Do you know there are Christians that you can try to mimic? and it would ruin your life. There are popular Christians that you could try to mimic. There are godly people in your circles that you could try to mimic, and it would ruin your life. Why? Because God has something intentional and special and just completely designed for nobody but you. Nobody but you. And so... We not only affect our neighbors, but we affect our households. It wrecked me. I'm going to be honest. It wrecked me to watch my son respond to altar calls. Weeping, tears, just weeping and, and shaking under the anointing of God. It wrecked me. It wrecked me for God to say, I've called him. And for him to look at me and say, he's called me. You know, that wrecks me. Do you know? But that's and it's not it's not because of what I've done, but it's because of the house that we're building. Because he would have encounters like that before he moved in with us, but now those encounters are more regular. Not because of us, but because of the house that he's growing up in. Here's something I want you to hear. T.D. Jakes, uh, I don't know if you, if you like him or if you don't, that's irrelevant. But he has a book that I'm reading right now. And he made this statement, like a handheld mirror, we reflect what's closest to us or where we've been or who we've listened to without even being aware that they are programming us. Who are you being programmed by? Let me ask you, who are you being programmed by? Because the truth is, is we have God who speaks into our life and then we have people who speak into our lives every day. Who are you being programmed by? I listen to probably seven or eight preachers a week because I want to be programmed to be a better speaker, a better communicator. And I want to hear what they have to say. It's really, it's a natural thing called the compound effect. According to a research uh, by the uh, psychologist uh, Dr. McClelland of Harvard, the people you habitually associate with, determine, listen to this, 95% of your success or failure in your life. Scientifically proven. Scientifically proven. And I love how the Bible will scientifically be proven. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because here's the thing. If we become who we are around, I want to share some scriptures that encourage you. Proverbs 13, 20. Walk with the wise and become wise. For a companion of fools suffers harms. If you hang out with fools, you're in trouble. Walk with the wise. Proverbs um, 22, 24, and 25. Do not make friends with hot-tempered people. Do not associate with one who is easily angered. Listen, here's why. 
you may learn their ways and get yourself ensnared. Do you know that the Bible tells you if you hang out with hot-tempered people, you could become hot-tempered? Yes, you are. You are you are what you intake. You are who you're around. Psalms 1 and 1 says this, though. If, if we can be swayed one way, we can be swayed another. I love this. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way with sinners. Take or sit in the, in the company of mockers. These are things that we should focus on. Here's what I want you to know is that there are things that we should focus on that is going to either determine that we are going to live a godly life or we're not. And it all hinges on our neighbors. So, uh, Proverbs 27 and 17 says this, Iron sharpens iron, so a person sharpens a person. Proverbs 13, 20, Walk with the wise and become wise. We already read that one. But the truth is, is there are things in our lives, there are people in our lives that are going to mold you. So here's what I want you to hear. The company you keep is going to mold you, or you can mold the company you keep. But listen to me. If you're not building your life in a godly way, Every day, the way you're supposed to, you're more than likely the one that's going to fail. You've got to be led by the Holy Spirit. The Joneses are the room setters. The McGinnises are the followers. Which one are you today? Are we the thermostats or are we the thermometers? Pastor Joe, what does this have to do with the neighborhood? You can decide what your life will look like and you can influence your neighborhood as well. If you want your life to look a certain way, you can have it look a certain way. There's no escaping your neighbors. Listen to me. There's no escaping your neighbors. Period. You're always going to have them. They're always going to be there. So let your light shine for Jesus. And let them know that they too can have a house that God wants to inhabit. They too can have a house that God wants to inhabit.